Well, in the North Dakota legislature, we're at crossover. And for those of you that might not know what that means, well, if a bill was generated in the House and sponsored by a member of the House, it's been heard, it's been voted on, it's been either killed or passed, in which case, if it's passed, it's headed over to the Senate. But the House has its bills done and vice versa in the higher chamber. Uh, the Senate. I said that on purpose because our next guest is Representative Zach Ista uh, from <laughs> Grand Forks, and it's an old shot from the Senate to the House. Representative, good to have you back on News and Views. Great to be here, Joel. Good morning to you. Uh, I appreciate that little North Dakota version of a schoolhouse rock uh, tutorial on how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> And, you know, here's the other way, uh, you know, just sit there, hold your nose sometimes and vote because there's been some of that going on as well. Uh, that's, representative, that's we had to get through about 72 bills in the last two days in the House. So it was fast and furious. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. So when, when you look at because this, you're not a rookie at this anymore, when you look at, uh, you know, this legislative session, just give me an overview of how you think the first half has gone. Well, we've, we've, we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, big issues come through the House of Representatives, come through the Senate. And, and one of the things I've been reflecting on this morning is just how successful our Democratic caucus has been at advancing important legislation. I mean, it's, it's no secret, Joel, that we'd like to have more Democrats uh, in legislative seats. We only have 12 uh, in the House, four in the Senate. But you know, only having those 16 members, we've had nearly 60 Democratic-sponsored uh, bills uh, advance out of their chambers and, and make it to this crossover point. And, and these are on important issues like child care, like workforce development, like increasing transparency and accountability in, in government. So I think that's just, a, you know, really speaks to the hard work that, that my Democratic caucus puts in and building those relationships across the aisle, putting forward good ideas putting in the work to make our case and and ultimately advancing good policy that's going to help a lot of North Dakotans. So some of the controversies uh, going into the the, the crossover, uh, one of the ones that jumped out for many of the people that are listening to us right here is that it appears that the North Dakota Farmers Union have cut a deal with uh, the other farm groups in relation to easing the restrictions on corporate farming. How, how did that take to the floor? What what were people saying about that? Well, well, Joel, you know, North Dakota has a, has a really long, proud history, tradition, culture of, of family farming. You know, we've for over ninety years we have, have prevented corporations from coming in, uh, coming in, taking over our farms, taking over our ranching, and you know, out of the House of Representatives, we just passed a bill. Unfortunately, that going to chip away at that. That's going to allow corporations to come in and in some capacity uh, in animal agriculture. Uh, we had a spirited, you know, debate on the floor. A lot of good questions were asked. Um, ultimately, the, the bill passed. I opposed it. I, I think it's, you know, the first step down a slippery slope here of, uh, of chipping away at our corporate farming laws. And, and these have proven to be very popular. You don't have to go back even a decade uh, when the when the voters got to answer this question directly, and, and they rejected corporate farming in North Dakota. You know, I, I understand, you know, the big farming groups, the Friends of Farmers Union uh, have to recognize, you know, the, the reality of, of, of the supermajority party that governs the executive branch, the House, the Senate, and, and they have to come to the table. But, you know, it's my hope that once this legislation gets to the Senate, uh, they'll dig even deeper into it, ask tough questions, and and really look at whether 
changing our, our farming culture speaks to North Dakota values. And and I think that that's the, the phone calls that I got after yesterday's show. I started getting those. And, and as I pointed out, you know, it's got to go through another chamber. Who knows what's going to happen there? I know there's some, some disputes about amendments and everything that goes with it, even from the floor in the Senate you can amend. So what what about some of some of the other issues? And it, and it just appears, uh, Representative Ista, that there's so many gotcha bills. There's so many hey, we don't like this group, and so we're going to codify this into North Dakota code. And uh, it, it, some of these bills have nothing to do with budgeting the state or setting policy for agencies. They just have, you know, personal agenda agendas. And were, were a lot of those killed, or unfortunately a lot of those went forward? No, it's, it's the latter. Unfortunately, you know, the, the message loud and clear, at least out of the House of Representatives, is that if, if you're a transgender person, if you have a loved one who's a transgender person, if you have a child who's transgender, they're not welcome in North Dakota. I think that's the message that the House of Representatives, uh, the majority, uh, sent out this first half of the legislative session. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, something like a dozen bills in the legislature just targeting this imagined threat of, you know, doctors and parents running amok and, and, and performing, you know, medical experiments on kids. That's, that's just not what's happening. These are tough decisions that, Parents, children, medical professionals are all making together with informed consent based on research. And the message out of the North Dakota legislature always seems to be, nope, we know better. We know better than you. Uh, And I think that's a frustrating message. So whether it's, you know, targeting transgender youth, banning books from libraries, telling Fargo how it has to run its elections, uh, this this attitude that we just know better uh, and we're going to, uh, you know, impose our will on you, uh, I think it's something that uh, voters across North Dakota really have to take a long and hard look at to, to think about whether they want to restore some actual local control and get the government out of the way. It, but, it, but it seems as though, you know, that you can preach local control and then do everything not to basically adhere to the rules that locals make uh, the perfect example i could give you is the people of fargo you know went forward with approval voting they decided they went to the ballot box and and they said we're, we're going to have approval voting ben koppelman who doesn't live in fargo that isn't his district decided to uh, make sure that the state of north dakota said they couldn't do that now i don't know that you can get much more local control than when a city votes on its own method of voting. Um, I, I guess, are, are they getting challenged? Are, are that the, 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 the bennies of the world, are they getting challenged and, and people saying, look, you know, you can't preach it one day and then the next day the, the answer is, but not in this case, I can do whatever I want. I mean, it, it is pushback coming. Well, it has to, Joel. And, you know, uh, we had a bill come to one of my committees that was another, you know, uh, attempt to chip away at local control. And I, I flat out asked the bill sponsor, isn't it just the case that you're for local control as long as the locality does what you want it to do? Uh, and, and, you know, I think we kind of gave away the game uh, in, a, in a floor debate uh, on the bill that bans books. One of the speakers got up and said, I'm all for local control, but not if they get it wrong. Well, then you're not for local control. You're for your way winning. 
<laughs> yeah, look, as long as they don't get it wrong the way I want it to be. I mean, it's like we we had an individual down here at a public forum. We had a state senator just get challenged on these bills, and he said, "I don't read them." <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you know, I mean, how can I challenge you on why the heck you would vote for something if you're not going to read it in the first place? But it's almost representative Vista as though it's like, look, I know I'm going to win. I don't have to answer to anyone. And that's what the sad state is. And some of that legislation clearly showed up uh, this legislative session. Yeah, I think I think that's right. And, you know, wherever you fall in the political spectrum, I think we see what happens when there is one party that has just unchallenged supermajority control of a state government. There's just not that pushback, that give and take, that need to compromise, that need to really dig in and base uh, decisions on research, analysis, data. It's, you know, you can just impose your ideological preferences without much challenge if you control all the levers of state government. So that, that's one of the reasons I think our caucus, as, as the Democrats in the House and Senate, you know, have been so impressive this first half. We, we don't get to have that luxury of just uh, putting our name on a bill and knowing it's going to pass because we have the right party affiliation. We have to do that work, build the coalition, get the stakeholders together, make compromises, uh, and, and we've been able to do that. So talk to me about the budget, which is really the biggest issue that you're there for. Uh, every governor that we've had, and I would point this out, Ed Schaefer was a Republican and he was fiscally conservative. But every Republican governor, which is all we've had since then, has grown this state budget and grown it enormously. Uh, where, where are we at this time? Uh, and it seems like it's all in pet projects. It, it's never in the whole notion of, hey, if we put this money in, serious money in, we can get property taxes reduced. But uh, give me an analysis of where we're at budget-wise. You're right. We're going to see growth in the the state budget this this biennium. And and I understand that. There's some crucial investments that need to be made, some crucial investments that I support, that my colleagues in my caucus support. But you know, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of fiscal conservatism uh, at the end of the day when when we finalize our budget. Uh, you know, there's you've probably heard the joke uh, during your time uh, serving Joel that it's a lot easier to govern in in lean years uh, because you can say no <laughs> to people yeah. when the state's when the state's doing well financially as as we are now. We have good money in our state funds. Uh, it, it becomes harder to say no. So we're, we're saying yes a lot. You saw a lot of uh, People uh, get told exactly uh, what they want. You know, they're getting exactly what they want this first half of the legislative session. There's going to be some hard choices to make uh, as we get towards the end of session. As, as we move from March to April and to the beginning of May, we're going to have to make those hard choices. Uh, so we'll have to see how that all shakes out. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to take $566 million out of our state uh, revenues every biennium if we pass the tax plan that just advanced out of the House, for instance. So Having this long-term look at, at our state budget does become a challenge. Um, it's going to become even more challenging as, as term limits set in and people don't have that pressure of, of being there for more than eight years to sort of really take a long view into how the decisions we make now in 2023 are going to play out in 2033. Yeah. There, there's actually an effort as well, and we'll hit this another day, to, to 
already changed the laws in relation to what happened with term limits. So, uh, Representative Ista, uh, you're home, right? You got home? I, I am not home. I've been listening to your show this morning for all the, the travel and weather updates, so I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> I can find a window this afternoon to make my way east. Well, hopefully you get there. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate this. Anytime, Joel. Appreciate it.